Jesus' name. Thank you, Sandra. And the source of all wisdom, power, and love. I praise you truly that when you speak, Lord, I understand. In every place that I speak, I fellowship with you as a sacred and holy people. Grant the truth of our present that I have reason to know and learn of daily life. And enlighten my mind in your way that leads to my being better in your will. I pray that you may greatly and in abundance and multitude of blessings which you place abundantly on our lives. So Lord, you did in your mercy as you went before of us in the days of Paul. And we pray for the glory of God. Among the many things that were going on in the upper room, Jesus was teaching his disciples about love. And in teaching them about love, he also taught them about forgiveness. It was his great love that took him to the cross. It was his great love that forgave us or gave us the opportunity to seek forgiveness from him. We all stand in need of forgiveness. And our need of forgiveness cost Jesus Christ his life. And so in the upper room, the night that he was betrayed, he took the very ordinary elements of bread and wine and made them extraordinary. Giving to us, even in the year 2016, a way to remember the sacrifice he made. Recognizing our need of forgiveness and our need to forgive others. And so on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had broken it and blessed it, he gave it to his disciples and said, For as often as you eat this, remember me. After they had eaten, he took the cup and described to them that there was a need for a new covenant. And that new covenant would come through the sacrifice of his life. And so he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. 
It appears the bells played up a storm. Uh, we're grateful for the music and uh, thankful for their gift that they share with us today. Let's bow for prayer. Oh God, our Father, into your presence we come on this glorious day that you've given to us. A day that you have made. A day, Father, where we have come to this place to worship, to praise your name, to contemplate your love for us, and to allow you to speak to us as we open our minds and our hearts. I am thankful for each person in this room at this time. For those who were in the Sunday school hour giving of their time and of their talents, teaching of those who were learning and listening. We're thankful for those who worshipped in the first service this morning. And we are so thankful, Father, that you give us reason to celebrate. Even in the midst of life's difficulties, we know that you are there. And so we pray for those, Father, who are struggling this morning with illness. We pray that you will allow them to feel the power of your presence and your healing touch. 
We are grateful, Father, that as we pray, we know that you are the great physician. And you give to us far more than we could ever understand in terms of our health. We pray, Father, for those who have lost loved ones in recent days, weeks, and months. The pain is real. The sorrow is great. And yet in the midst of that, we know that you are there. We're thankful, Father, that we can pray and know that as we seek forgiveness, that you forgive us. That you have provided for us forgiveness through Jesus Christ, who has given his life so that we could be set free from the bondage of sin. We're thankful, Father, for this church, for the ministries and work of this place, for the opportunities of service we have here. Keep us, Father, ever looking outward so that we might share the good news of salvation by our words and by our deeds. We give thanks for missionaries around the world. And we pray for them this morning. We pray, Father, that you would minister to them as they minister to others. We pray, Father, that lives can be touched and transformed by the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. We pray for our nation. We pray, Father, for our leaders. And we pray, Father, that they would be wise in their decisions. We pray, Father, for discernment. We pray, Father, for seeking after your will and your ways. We pray, Father, for those who serve the military around the world. Their jobs many times are so very dangerous, and yet they go and serve so that we can remain free to celebrate our love for you and your love for us. We give thanks for the power of prayer, and for the gift of life through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, and Mark chapter 11, verse 25. So we read in in Matthew first, Matthew 18. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. And then in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Much consideration is given to the giving of gifts during the month of December. Special gift catalogs are received through the mail. Newspaper ads portray lovely gifts for sale. Television and radio commercials inform people concerning beautiful and desirable gifts. Online shopping is an all-time high during the Christmas season. Pressure is applied to encourage us to purchase gifts for those we love. Perhaps the Christmas season came to be a time of gift-giving because the birth of Christ reminds us of God's great gift to us. We also read in the Nativity account of how the Magi came from the East bringing expensive and wonderful gifts and presenting them as tokens of reverence and worship to the Christ child. But we should not be givers only at Christmas. We should be givers all the time. Jesus taught his disciples on many different occasions to be givers. He said in Matthew 10, 8, You received without pay, give without pay. Luke's gospel encourages us, Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap for the measure you give will it be the measure you get back? Jesus also quoted as having declared, it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. But some great gifts each of us need to give do not require that we be materially wealthy. Today, let us consider consider giving the rich gift of forgiveness. Forgiveness to others. The real significance of Jesus' reply to Peter is found only when we see it as his reversal of the old law of vengeance as expressed by Lamech in Genesis chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Lamech is quoted as having said to his two wives, I have slain a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Jesus reverses Lamech's law of revenge. Instead of endless revenge, the disciple is to practice endless forgiveness. This is a subject that we must visit from time to time because forgiveness is one of the hardest things that many of us have to do. Forgiveness is difficult and I can always see during sermons on forgiveness or during Wednesday times when we talk about forgiveness, there's always this sense of, oh, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know how difficult it has been for me. You don't know what has been done to me. But Jesus gives us a lesson in forgiveness and how to forgive. Forgiveness is a gift that everyone needs. Reconciliation is the Christian's business, even as it is that of Christ and it knows no limits. Peter undertook to ask a good question, but ask it in the wrong way. He was right in considering the matter of forgiving an erring brother, but wrong in thinking of limits beyond which responsibility ended. We all look for the loophole, don't we? And Peter was looking for the loophole. He was trying to come up with a finite situation and time that he could be forgiven of forgiving. In thinking about a gift for others, some attention should be paid to the need of the recipient for the gift. We know that all of us need the gift of forgiveness because all of us are sinners. The scripture is clear on that in Acts. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are mistake makers, aren't we? We all make mistakes. Now, we don't like to admit it. We don't like to address it. But we all make mistakes. I made a mistake in the first service this morning. Can you believe that? I read from the wrong book of the Bible. And I said, that's not what I want to talk about this morning. But one good church member who listened to the sermon, and I would say good Christian at the end said, we forgive you. (laughs) But all of us make mistakes. All of us bring some hurt into the lives of others, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And all of us need God's forgiveness. Our God forgives us. All of us need the forgiveness of those whom we have caused to suffer. Do you need forgiveness from your parents? Do you need forgiveness from your children? Do you need forgiveness from your spouse? Do you need forgiveness from friends? Do you need forgiveness from total strangers? We need to forgive ourselves and sometimes that is the most difficult thing to do. And I would say until you understand that Christ has forgiven you, you will live a life where you have difficulty forgiving yourself. There are a lot of people that put on a lot of fronts in life and one of those fronts is they're living as if nothing is wrong in their life and they've made no mistakes and things are just fine the way they are. But for many of us there is this self self-loathing within us because we know we don't measure up in the quiet places in our lives where we find ourselves by ourselves we sometimes have difficulty forgiving ourselves not only for our actions but sometimes even for our thoughts that's why Jesus is so clear in saying that thinking bad thoughts leads to difficulties for you 
Not to forgive ourselves brings unnecessary suffering into our lives. Unwillingness to accept forgiveness from ourselves can produce deep depression that can lead to all kinds of things that destroy us. Drugs and alcohol addiction and all kinds of things that cause us to look for relief in other places where we are less than holy. But forgiveness is a gift that everyone needs to give. One of the greatest hindrances to spiritual growth is the neglect or the refusal to give the gift of forgiveness to those who have injured us. The moment you refuse to forgive, you stymie your spiritual growth and rob yourself of the joy that God has provided for the community of the forgiven. You stunt your growth in Christ if you hold on to a grudge, if you can't let it go. Many years ago, before I served as the pastor in my former church, there was a woman who sent her husband to the Kmart in Madison Heights to get some plumbing fixture. Something had to be fixed. She sent him on his way. He went to Kmart. He came back out at the stoplight. The light turned green. He pulled out in the intersection. And just as he pulled out in the intersection, two young men who were racing, ran through the red light, and one of them hit him, T-boned him, and killed him on the spot. So the next thing that the wife hears is a knock on her door, informing her that her husband had been killed. For years, she harbored a grudge against those boys. For years. And one Sunday morning, she came forward And she said, I have got to let this go. My life is on hold. My relationship with Christ isn't what it ought to be because I am holding on to this grudge and I cannot do it anymore. I must forgive them. And so I do. Seven times may have seemed generous to Peter, but it is not. Forgiveness is not so much an act as an attitude. And the disposition or willingness to forgive is to be limitless. And you think it doesn't matter to people about forgiveness? After the service, they, there were several who had questions for me. And one of the questions and, uh, was answered in this way. The acceptance of the forgiveness from the person that you are forgiving is not contingent upon whether you forgive or not. You can't control what other people think. You can't control what other people believe about you. You can only control what you feel towards that person. And if you have forgiven them and they can't accept their forgiveness, then it's their issue, not yours. Jesus deals with people like that all the time, doesn't he? He has offered us forgiveness and it's up to us to accept that forgiveness. The parable following Peter's question that we didn't read contains both a promise and a warning. It promises God's forgiveness of our debts, however enormous. It warns that forgiveness is impossible to the unforgiving. This parable found alone in Matthew serves well to drive home the nature and principle of forgiveness. It contrasts our enormous debt to God with the smallness of what we tend to consider the debts of others to us. Our debt to God is so great that we can never pay it. We are utterly dependent upon His mercy, which alone can free us from our debt. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's forgiveness. It's a gift given to us by the grace of God, and it can only be accepted as a gift. We can't earn it. It is not only... Absurd for us to demand payment from others under threat of vengeance against them, but it is to deny the only ground upon which we may hope to stand before God. The unforgiving must remain unforgiven because in denying forgiveness to others, they show themselves to be unforgivable. If you've never experienced forgiveness, you can't give forgiveness because you don't know what it is. You think you do. But you don't in terms of the scripture. Do you need to forgive your parents? Some children have been wounded by their parents. Ask God to help you give the gift of forgiveness to your parents if they have wounded you. And people deal with those issues all their lives. But to hold on to that can destroy your relationship with God and thus your relationship with others. 
do you need to forgive your spouse? Many of you remember Ann Landers and her sister, Dear Abby. The late Ann Landers, long-time advice columnist, has repeatedly recommended to use the use of forgiveness as a method of dealing with injury and hurt. It's a Christian principle, and Ann Landers is a Jew. Often she was severely criticized because she recommended a wife forgive her husband for inexcusable conduct. And Anne recommends to a husband that he be forgiving toward a wife who has been something less than what she ought to be. In recommending forgiveness, she encouraged a Christian response to injury. Do you need to forgive your spouse? Not to do so will sour your marriage and bring harm into your life. Do you need to forgive your children? Children can be cruel and break their parents' hearts. And anybody that's had them knows what I'm talking about. Some parents have gone to the grave ahead of schedule, I believe, because of the ingratitude, and yes, I'm going to say it, the stupidity of their children. Many parents tremble with pain because of hurt that comes through the children. Give to the child the gift of forgiveness, not because it is deserved, but because it is needed. Your child needs your forgiveness. You need to be forgiven, giving even more than your child needs your forgiveness. God calls us His children. And we rebel against Him and do all manner of evil in our lives that we don't even tend to do. And yet God finds a way through His love for us to forgive us. Do you need to forgive those who have injured someone near you? A mother-in-law once attended a prayer service and requested prayer on her own behalf. She said, I have found it impossible to forgive my son-in-law for the hurt that he has inflicted upon my daughter and her children. I have lost the joy of my salvation because of my inability to forgive him. Please pray for me. Bitterness and holding grudges will destroy, let me say it again, your relationship with Christ. But then this question. This is probably the biggest one of all for us. Do you need to forgive yourself? Some people suffer every day because of careless mistakes or stupid decisions they made in the past. Some inflict punishment on themselves repeatedly because of these past mistakes. And there are others who will make sure that we don't forget it. When we confess and turn from the love of evil, God forgives us. God wants you to forgive yourself. He forgives you. Forgive yourself. Sometimes you see the standard we set for ourselves, we set for other people. And our lack of being able to live up to our own standard, sometimes we impose on other people. And so we don't forgive ourselves and we're not able to forgive anybody else because our standards are never met. Our standards can't be met apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to understand that. I shared yesterday in the memorial service on Friday evening and it's always, it's, it's never by chance. Things happen for a reason. I watched the movie We Are Marshall for the second time. I have a difficult time with that movie. And many of you understand uh, what happened. But just briefly, I'll tell you. In 1970, a plane crashed on descent into Huntington, West Virginia, with the entire East Carolina, I mean, entire Wake, uh, Marshall football team, Marshall University football team on it. All on the plane perished, every one of them. There was one coach left who didn't make the flight because he was staying behind to do some recruiting. There were three injured players who didn't make the flight. At that time, no freshmen were allowed to play on that level. And to see the three that were left and the one coach and the agony and the despair and all of the things that they went through because of the guilt associated with not being on that airplane with their football team. It's unbelievable. I don't know how you could bear it. So I sit with tears running down my cheeks the whole time thinking about these young boys, their lives snuffed out by this terrible, horrendous plane crash that was nobody's fault. It was just the way it is. 
And yet those co- that coach and those players blame themselves somehow. They hired a new coach. A coach with no team and no coaches. The one coach who was left vowed he would never coach a football game again. This coach went out to sing. He climbed up on the roof where he was working. He asked him to come back. His response was, there is no way that I can do that because I promised the mothers of West Virginia that I would take care of their boys. Looked them in the face and not one of them is left. I can't do it. About that time, a train was coming up the track. If you've ever been to Huntington, West Virginia, it's a big railroad town. CSX here in Richmond, also in Huntington. Big railroad yard there. Build engines and so forth. He said to them, Isn't that train such and such? He said, Yeah. He said, Didn't that train derail a few years ago? Don't I remember something about that? He said, yes, it did. His last words to the man as he descended the ladder were, well, it's back on track today. The man came to him later and said, I'll give you one year. Because see, isn't that life? We do get derailed. There are things that derail us all the time. Sometimes I feel like I'm off the track for days on end. But somehow, some way, the Lord gets me back on track. If I only trust Him. And the only way we can get back on track in our lives is to give the gift of forgiveness after we have received it. Forgiveness is a gift that we must give. Forgiveness is a gift that if you withhold it from the one who needs it, you will do so to your own harm. The greatest test of true faith in time of difficulty is whether the spirit of forgiveness is present. The forgiveness of God requires a person to forgive those who have inflicted wrong as taught in Mark chapter 11 verse 25. Forgiveness and forgetfulness are not identical though. It is nearly impossible to totally forget something. Unless it's something Janet asked me to do. (laughs) Thus Jesus said that we must forgive 70 times 7. Every time you hurt because of some injury that has been inflicted on you, you are to forgive again if you would obey Jesus' instructions. What did Jesus say on the cross after all that had occurred in his life. Father, forgive them. Forgive them because they know not what they do. We must forgive if we are, if we would experience forgiveness. And here's where I read the wrong verses in the first service, but I'm going to get it right this time. See, that's why you get two chances. Actually, I was going to do it wrong again. It's Matthew. See? Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is not a price we pay for the Father's forgiveness. Rather, it is a condition that we must meet in order to receive His forgiveness. The passage that I read wrong had some relevance, I think. It was the passage about Herod and his dealing with John the Baptist and cutting off his head. And then I told him, I said, now, Herod was a real rascal. He was a real scoundrel if you read about him in the Scripture. But you know what? Oh, Herod needed forgiveness for cutting off John's head. And we look at that as a horrible, despicable thing. How could he ever be forgiven for that? But Jesus Christ had the power to forgive him if he followed him and accepted that forgiveness. We must forgive those who have injured us to avoid the acid of hate from collecting in our heart. The most expensive luxury that you can afford is a pocket of hate in your mind and in your heart. It will destroy you. 
We must forgive if we would prevent the rupture of meaningful relationships. This is true particularly in marriage. The spouse who never practiced forgiveness toward her husband or wife is in for a miserable marriage. There is no marriage of a perfect man to a perfect woman. I don't care what you say. All of us are mistake makers. All of us have selfish streaks. This requires a continuous attitude of forgiveness on the part of each one so as not to bring about destruction of the marriage relationship. Forgiveness. We must give the gift of forgiveness if we would enjoy fellowship with God. He is the great forgiver. By His grace, we are part of the community of the forgiven. To enjoy intimate fellowship with the Father, we must be forgiving toward others. Forgiveness is a gift that we can give to others because of God's gracious forgiveness of our sins. God forgives us freely, fully, and forever. He does this on the basis that Jesus Christ had died for our sins. Forgiveness is a gift that we need to give because it is required of us. If it were impossible for us to give forgiveness, then it would not be required. You hear that? We may have to work at it. We may have to struggle with it. We may have to stomp up and down and spit and scream, but we can do it. Forgiveness is a gift that we need to give others because it is absolutely essential for our own peace of mind and joy of heart. Hear me. If you are harboring bitterness towards someone else, for whatever reason, it stunts your spiritual growth. Jesus spent a great deal of time dealing with relationships, didn't he, in the scripture. Dealing with the relationships of his disciples to him and the disciples to one another and other people and all of these things that took place. And you remember the disciples with the man who was begging outside of the temple. They asked Jesus the question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's in this condition? And Jesus said very clearly, no one did wrong here. He's put here so you can see my glory. The glory of God. In his book, You Can Win, Roger Campbell told of a woman who had been treated wrongly by her church and came to him for help. You know, I hear that through the years. He was sympathetic to her plight. Maybe I ought to try what he does. But he also realized she would not be delivered from her hurt feelings until she got a glimpse a glimpse of the suffering of Christ. Has anyone spat on you yet, Campbell asked. No, she replied, shocked by his question. They did on Jesus, he told her. Campbell went on to say, suddenly she saw my point. While she had certainly been mistreated by people who should have known better, she had endured the pain and shame experienced, but she had not endured the pain and shame experienced by Christ in his suffering and death for our sins. They beat him, they mocked him, they told lies about him, they did every manner of evil they possibly could do to destroy the Son of God, and yet on the cross he said, Forgive them. He said, my simple question changed her attitude about her persecutors and she was able to forgive those who had snubbed and avoided her. We live in a very troubled world. But the world has been troubled since the beginning of time in the fall in the garden. We know what destroys people. We see it every day. We know that there are people that mean to do evil to us around the world. But we also know that the same Savior who forgives us can forgive them. Be a giver of forgiveness to others. And you will move forward in your walk with Christ. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father 
forgive you. It's a warning. And yet it's a blessing. Because it releases us to seek forgiveness from God, give forgiveness to others, and walk into the future with Him. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, these are difficult words for us. They're difficult because... Forgiveness is hard for us when we have been wronged. And yet forgiveness cost your son his life. Help us, Father, to allow Christ to overwhelm us so that we might be forgivers. No matter what the circumstances. Help us. To forgive. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 307. The familiar hymn, Just As I Am. That's not right, is it? Yeah, it is. There's another Just As I Am over here. <laughs> 307. Just as I am. That's how God receives us. That's how he wants to receive us. Because we can become what God needs us to be when we surrender to him. Whenever he called, when Jesus called, he called people just as they were at that time. And then the transformation took place, didn't it? When he called Moses, Moses didn't want to go. He took Moses just as he was. Speech impediment and all. And made him what he needed him to be. He can do the same for us. If we accept people just as they are as well and forgive them. And allow Christ. To change them. Will you stand as we sing?
aren't you glad you were in here when it was raining? Because now it's not. So I was, I was going to preach that quit raining. No, no, no. <laughs> but I'm grateful that you've been here today for this service. A uh, couple of things I need to tell you. This is Benevolent Sunday. And so there will be deacons at the door to receive your benevolence offering if you would like to give in order to help people in Mechanicsville with their basic needs. I trust that uh, if you want to participate, you will do so this morning. Also, uh, we are continuing to work on our uh, roof and construction project. Uh, We signed a letter of intent last week in order to get a structural engineer in here to make sure that what needs to be done, the building can support. And I also wanted to say I have been overwhelmed by the generosity of the people uh, as they have started to give to that project so that we could reduce the amount that we would have to borrow to make up the gap. Uh, I don't have a fixed cost for you yet. We have an an estimate, a guesstimate, let me say it that way, in the range of $250,000. And so uh, we are working to uh, allow you to give Uh, as you see fit to give uh, to that um, project. If you are going to give, people ask me all the time, just make sure that if you're giving by check, you can also give through uh, e-giving, but if you give by check, make sure that you put in the tagline, it's for the roof, because they don't know where to put it if you don't, okay? Uh, We will, once we know how much it's actually going to cost, we will give you, you know, we can do a goal and where we need to be and so forth. But the more you give, I'm telling you, the less we have to borrow and no one wants to pay interest uh, if we can help it. We know how much that building means to this church, but not only to this church, to this community and to people that have used it through the years. It is a tremendous ministry blessing and we need to keep it functional. And I know that you know that because I've already seen that through your giving. So I wanted to make sure you uh, knew of my appreciation for that as we continue to work through this. We will call a meeting, uh, a business meeting sometime between now and the next business meeting, which would be scheduled for July, in order to uh, give you the update and where we are and uh, have you vote actually on what we've got to do. So uh, make you aware of that as well this morning. I think that covers it. Don't forget, next Sunday is Mother's Day. We have one service at 11 o'clock. I forgot to tell them in the first service. It probably affects them more than it does you, wouldn't you think? Uh, but we have one service. But we have breakfast next Sunday at 8 o'clock. That's the last word I got, 8 o'clock. That doesn't mean you have to be here right at 8. But there will be a family day breakfast next Saturday or next Sunday at 8 o'clock. And then we'll have Sunday school and we'll have one worship service for Mother's Day. Two weeks from today, we get some help. John Hare's coming. And he'll be here for the summer. I say we get some help. I get some help, let me tell you. Uh, But he'll be here and I'm grateful for him coming. So pray for John as he transitions out of school and then comes to be with us for the summer. Uh, But he begins two weeks from today. So I think that brings you up to date. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day, we rejoice in knowing that we are forgiven. And because we are forgiven, we have a responsibility to forgive others who have wronged us. May we leave here, Father, knowing that as we are forgiven, we have a responsibility to impart your grace 